And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello, it's Matthew Tosh. Yes, I've been handed the big control desk and keeping me in check and making sure I don't blow anything up is the one and only Steffi Barnett. Well, I'll try. On the show, we learn about a new LGBTQ club, workspace and lounge. There's project news from Brigstow. We've got brand new release from Gnarly. And you'll know that I've got deviated with my usual coloured lipstick this week as Queer Story delves into the goth scene. Or here on Shout Out. Yes, don't uh, don't adjust your listening devices. It is Matthew Tosh here? I had an email this week from uh, from Andy Shilton. He says, Matthew, I regret to inform you that my uh, computer has exploded. So could you stand in? Now I would like to say, uh, just a minute. I would like to say before we go any further, that's nothing to do with me. Because I have been known to... I do a line in, in blowing computers up and people have seen me explode computers on stage. I would just like to say, Andy, nothing to do with me. So, just... There we are. I've got an alibi. There we go. Anyway, I'm not on my own this week. We've got a fantastic team around me. We've got uh, Steffi, who you've already heard from. Uh, good evening, yep. Steffi. I'm here. I'm here. I should probably I'm say good morning. to go. Cause some people might be listening in the morning, so I should probably say, hello, Steffi. Uh, well, Ste- yes. <laughs> in fact, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Dif- because uh, we broadcast on stations that actually do right do that. Different right time zones, the isn't it? Of the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Terry and Ezra are in the news corner. We certainly are. Shuffling papers as we speak, Matthew. It's, it's a very large news desk you've got with you tonight. Absolutely massive. Very good. And we're also joined by Andy Hole. Hello, everyone. I, I can't claim to have a, a large news desk, but I can claim to have a nice loaf of bread with me. Got a loaf of bread? Yes. Are, are we, yep. are we get, well, hang on a minute. Why does this happen when we're in virtual studios? Why do we get bread when we're in real studios? Uh, well, we, we can have bread at some point when we're in real studios. I, I will bake one especially for said purpose. But obviously, <laughs> while we're all still at home, uh, we are u- utilising our time by baking when we have spare time. I, I would see. like to put an official order in of sun-dried tomato and olive uh, bread, if possible, Andy. Uh, okay, I normally just make a standard white loaf, but I'm sure I can experiment. <laughs> and if you'd like I, to order a loaf of bread, our email address is studio <laughs> at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Is that all right? <laughs> that's flooding in, that's pouring in now. <laughs> hey, listen, I just wondered, because uh, I mean, Andy, poor Andy Shorten has had this problem with his computer. Have you ever had an appliance blow up, actually... Catch fire, yes. blow up. Oh, oh. Uh, well, not not catch fire, but I did I did blow up a PC a number of years ago uh, by plugging in a hard drive, uh, plugging something else in, and turned it on, and it went bang. Oh dear! And I lost two hard drives. Because oh dear! Of it, so. right. What about you, yeah. Terry? Anything in your department ever gone bang? Nothing I'd like to mention or is repeatable or broadcastable <laughs> at this time of the evening. But uh, appliances have been known to uh, blow up. <laughs> Uh, Steph, you, you've got lots of equipment around you. Is yours all kosher? Has it has ever caught fire or anything? Um, no, thankfully, Matthew. Not, <laughs> not yet. No, no. The, the studio since has been in the in my the corner of my bedroom since uh, COVID started. Right. Well, let's uh, quite well. Oh, excellent stuff. Well, keep fingers crossed it will last uh, the the show as well. Now you've been uh, trawling the the new music scene, haven't you? You got some news for us. 
Uh, yeah, Gnarly, uh, um, she's got a new track out. Um, and in fact, it's um, being released today. So um, when I say today, the first uh, four of our stations. So that'll be for the Thursday. Um, if you're listening on the Friday and Saturday, then it's already pre-released. But there is a video on YouTube. Um, all you have to do is put in N-A-H-L-I. She's performed with lots of other people um, before. And um, this is the first one she's gone solo on. So good luck with that, Nali. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we should be catching that after our My Five, which this week is brought to us by Aisha, who has uh, got some new project news. So we'll, uh, we'll have a listen. My Five on Shoutout. Hello and welcome to the August edition of Brigstone My Five. My name is Aisha. I'm the project coordinator for a new and exciting project here in Bristol called the Common Ambition Bristol Project. This project is a community-powered project looking at tackling the inequalities of HIV in Bristol. The project is specifically for African and Caribbean heritage communities here in the city and this is because we know that Bristol has a higher rate of HIV than the rest of the UK and we also know that African and Caribbean heritage communities are disproportionately affected by this high number. So our project is in place for us to be able to achieve better health outcomes for our community by increasing HIV awareness, increasing HIV testing and decreasing the stigmas around HIV. We have had an incredibly busy few months since our launch in January. We now have six community members on board. We like to call them our Super Six. They are part of the project to ensure that everything that we do is done with the community at the heart and with the community very much being a part of all that we do. We are at the stage now where we have created four interventions. So we have four areas of focused work for the coming months. We would like for the community to be able to give us their feedback on what we have decided for the next coming months for the project. So we would like to do that by successfully engaging the community to give us their input and their feedback. We'd like to meet with the community and speak with people of African and Caribbean heritage in order for us to discuss how we can really ensure that everything that we're doing is working for our communities and working well. We are willing to pay people for their attendance at our community consultation events. There are three events in place at the moment. We will pay £15 for everybody that attends any of those events. They're around an hour and a half long. And the dates that we have at the moment are Tuesday the 10th of August at 2.30pm at Eastern Community Centre. That's a face-to-face event. Then on Thursday the 12th of August at 6pm, we have an online event through Zoom. Then Saturday the 21st of August at 2.30pm, again at Eastern Community Centre, a face-to-face event. Now, we would like people to head over to the Eventbrite page, which is www.eventbrite.com and search for Common Ambition Bristol. Then if you click on the event, you'll be able to register your attendance and you'll be sent an e-ticket. Come along, meet the team, see our plans and help us to really shape the tailor-made HIV services in Bristol for African and Caribbean heritage communities. We'd also really like for you to follow our progress by following us on our social media channels. So our Instagram channel is Common Ambition Bristol. Our Twitter handle is at Bristol Common. And our website is www.brigstow.org forward slash Common Ambition Bristol. We really would like for you to come along to our community consultation events and to help us to truly make this community powered project be something that is for us and by us. 
come together and influence the changes that are made within our community and make sure that we're tackling the inequalities within health, specifically within the HIV sector, within our community. We need your backing to be able to do this successfully. I'm really looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible when it comes to the community consultation events. I'm really looking forward to having a chat about the work that we plan on doing over the coming months and to really get to know the community and make sure that what we're doing is correct. So we'd really, really like you to come along. Just to reiterate those dates again, Tuesday the 10th of August at 2.30pm, a face-to-face event at Eastern Community Centre. Thursday the 12th of August at 6pm is an online event via Zoom. And Saturday the 21st of August at 2.30pm is another face-to-face event at Eastern Community Centre. Really looking forward to meeting as many of you as possible. And I really hope that we can work together to make Common Ambition Bristol be a project that's genuinely for the community and by the community. So please come forward and help us to be able to achieve that. And as I've said, please follow us on our socials and head along to the Eventbrite site and search for Common Ambition Bristol to be able to register your attendance at these events. Look forward to seeing you soon. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. And now, as promised, that brand new single from Gnarly, It's Something's Gotta Change. The Shout Out Podcast. And there we have it, that brand new single. Gnarly is the artist, and it's entitled Something's Gotta Change. Not got to change. I look this up, it's gotta change. There we go. Right, um, I, and we're all about getting facts correct here, which is why we're going to head straight over to the news team where Terry and Ezra are waiting. This is Shout Out News Headlines on Thursday the 5th of August. On August the 1st, a warning was issued by the Bristol Director of Public Health and by several nightclubs in the city about a very pure batch of ecstasy tablets currently in circulation. The blue pills, which have a Tesla logo on them, are potentially fatal as they contain a lethal cocktail of MDMA and cocaine together. One person has already died and 20 others have required hospitalisation. Bristol's Director of Public Health, Christina Gray, said we're becoming increasingly concerned about these reports of a potentially lethal batch of drugs circulating in the city. If you are concerned about drug use by anyone, including yourself, then the government's free, confidential and non-judgmental information and advice line, Talk to Frank, can be reached on 0300 123 6600. Radio Free Europe reports that a Russian lesbian activist and her daughter, who is also gay, have been welcomed in Barcelona, Catalonia, after their progressive family arrangement were included in a groundbreaking internet advertising campaign by a grocery store. Yuma, her grown-up daughters, Myla and Alina, and Alina's girlfriend were subject to threats via social media, even more sinisterly on their home telephone number after the now-deleted commercial ran on internet channels. 
They fled to Barcelona, where they say they now feel safe. Russia remains a highly reactionary state for many minorities, not just LGBTQIA plus people. All forms of opposition, not just political but cultural too, can bring people into the crosshairs of a formidable and manipulative secret state. In addition, right-wing parliamentary groups and assorted military operate with virtual impunity in the country, adding to the woes of many minority groups. The left-wing weekly newspaper The Socialist Worker reports with approval the fact that once popular right-wing authoritarian President of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, is rapidly evaporating. A recent poll conducted by Polling Institute Datafola found that 54% of Brazilians support Bolsonaro's impeachment, compared to just 42% who would oppose it. The main reasons for dissatisfaction with the anti-gay and anti-women leader is chronic mismanagement of the coronavirus, which has led to half a million deaths and issues of corruption. The protests against Bolsonaro, which have continued each week, have brought together a wide variety of protest and campaign groups, including LGBTQIA plus people, indigenous people, peace activists and the more traditional left. As a result, the authoritarian state is finding it difficult to disrupt and silence the movement against the Bolsonaro regime. The socialist worker says it is clear that support for Bolsonaro is falling. More protests and resistance could kick him out for good. And gay comedian Simon Amstel talks to the Jewish Chronicle newspaper about his planned autumn tour entitled Spirit Hole and discusses some of the issues that he will be addressing in it. Magic mushrooms, adult naked parties in Berlin and coming out dramas are all discussed as well as Amstel's warm upbringing and musings on whether there is what might be called a Jewish sense of humour. You can find details of the Spirit Hole tour which kicks off in early September on Simon's website simonamstel.com. And finally, we love all the radio stations that make up the family of broadcasters who transmit Shout Out. The great thing about non-profit community radio is that we are here not to compete with, but to complement other services. And we know that we are part of something wider, namely an LGBTQ media movement and the wider movement of grassroots community broadcasting. So we are delighted to note that our friends at Trans Radio UK, the country's first all-transgender and non-binary radio network, had a fantastic summer ball this weekend of high summer. Trans Radio posted on Facebook a massive thank you to everyone who attended our summer ball at Horwood House. A brilliant, amazing night, everyone looked fabulous, the food was amazing and the entertainment was brilliant. Finished off with a couple of hours of singing and dancing. We hope you all enjoyed yourselves and please feel free to post your pics on our Facebook wall. Well done to everyone at Trans Radio UK. We are delighted that everything went well as the ball had been delayed several times due to COVID-19. For these news stories in further detail and much, much more, check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Terry Starr and Ezra Peregrine. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Yeah. Nice. We don't often have uh, jazz on this show, and I couldn't resist that one, being as I'm back in the uh, in the fireworks season. Uh, that is the Cool Train Quartet with their rendition of uh, Katy Perry's Firework. What do we think of that, team? 
Um, is it, are we live? Is it, we got to wake <laughs> we, up we now? Wake up, wake up, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's just so cool. It's, it's lovely and chilled, very isn't it? very chilled, yeah. It is. yeah. Which is a nice link, actually, to our uh, our main feature, because um, there, there is a kind of chill-out facility amongst all, all what's, what's coming up, isn't there, Steffi? Yeah, and the name of uh, this week's show is called Tower of Power, and that's just what uh, one... Um, very, very wonderful LGBTQ person who does an awful lot for charity wants to do. And um, I caught up with Mark Frebrush and this is what he had to say. Now, it's always so good when you hear about fundraising within the community, especially people um, who put a lot of energy into that. And one of those is Mark Frebrush. Um, Mark, welcome to Shout Out. Thank you very much for having me. Um, now, um, let's go back a bit before we go on to the future. Um, you're fundraising as a nun. Uh, yes, <laughs> Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yeah, give me a bit um, of background, how you actually got into that and all the good you did. I, I first heard about it when I was 13 or 14, and I was that like little, little gay kid who didn't quite fit in. Um, and I just heard about it on the internet and saw it and wanted to be involved. But then a number, of year, a number of years later, I was in Bristol and um, suddenly one of those sisters was in front of me at Pride and in Castle Park when it was still there. I just couldn't let it go. And now that person is one of my best friends. But since then, I just ran with it. And now I run, or one of the people that runs the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence in Bristol. And we do fundraising, we do quizzes... It just feels like uh, we do quizzes, we collect money any way that we can. It just feels like a fun way to do something good. Yeah. Now, the sisters are actually um, international, aren't they? Yes, absolutely global. Um, where did they start? San Francisco, about 1979. Oh, very, oh uh, very old then, yeah. Yeah, we've been ruining, ruining things for everybody for a while. Yeah. Now, moving forward, something that's really exciting, a brand new LGBTQ centre. Now, um, we're obviously not going to reveal where, um, except it's going to be in Bristol somewhere. Um, Tell me what gave you the idea for that, Mark, because that sounds huge. Um, Well, it was something that I I saw the opportunity to do and and also saw the need to do it and therefore... I decided to do it. It's been um, a couple of years, probably three, four, five years that we've been working on trying to make it happen. So it's been a long process um, with its various ups and downs and stops and starts. Um, But it was just one thing that, like, um, I gave up drinking a while ago and, well, at least kind of um, stopped drinking to get drunk. And um, realised that there wasn't really anywhere to be without alcohol. Um, all of the like queer spaces are kind of alcohol focused, which makes it really difficult for anyone who isn't who doesn't drink or isn't drinking or doesn't want to be drunk. Um, to makes it difficult to socialise if that's you. So that was kind of the starting of it, and then we realised that it could be a cafe, and then that could expand. That could like have actually have rooms for the community so it could have a library it could have meeting rooms oh wait if there's meeting rooms it could have counseling rooms and then it all just kind of like um built from there my background is is catering and hospitality so the 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 cafe thought 
um, creating that space was the like most obvious was the most obvious choice um, and it all kind of like went out from there is it um are you gonna have as well as uh, the the beautiful idea of a of a cafe which um obviously will keep money coming in hopefully if um people mm-hmm. keep coming to it especially if you're um selling fresh baked croissants every morning mm-hmm. <laughs> and the passing trade as well because uh, probably um if you pick somewhere like a main compu- uh, commuter route you might pick up um, non-community people who who's mm-hmm. who's to know now the other areas you say so there's going to be office space and uh, are you thinking as well as a non-alcoholic club um i think the cafe could be used as a club it would be a a non-alcohol space like um i have my personal license anyway so i could sell alcohol but i okay don't want to um or not in this thing the cafe could it could be used for events and used in the night um it's at the end of the day it would be like a, a room with tables and chairs so it could be used as a club. It could be a cafe that opens late. One of the things that we're we're still kind of finalising how it's going to run in terms of the cafe. Um, but one idea is to have it op- like a cafe that's open open late anyway, so that people can kind of um, take a break from a club, so that people could finish it. You know, if you're on something at the Bear Bar and you just need to like a quiet space to chill, you could go there at eleven o'clock or midnight. Oh what a l- cafe yeah! Then. What a lovely idea, because yeah. it um, the c- clubs do get a bit much sometimes, and you do need a break from from the noise and all that. And having a nice quiet lounge somewhere where you can just sit with maybe a cup of tea or a soft drink sounds really good. Yeah, and then you can you know you're welcome to go back to the club just mm. after picking yourself up for a bit. Yeah, that's one thing we you know we we're just trying to work out what's best in terms of currently work out what's best in terms of. Um, the amount it's going to cost to do versus the amount of good it can do. Yeah, yeah. Now, is there a team of you doing this, or or are you on your own? There's a number of us. So there's three directors of the company. So we set up a community interest company. There's three directors. So there's me and my partner and the chef who um, has designed the menu and is going to be doing the bulk of the cooking. Um, that's the kind of directorship. And then there is... Um, Emma, uh, a good friend of mine, and then there is Stu from Punker. Ah, okay. As well, mm. he's he's helping us a lot, which right. is amazing. Now fundraising, obviously, because you've just had a fundraiser, haven't you? Yes, we have. We had a really successful one, which is great. Good. And what others have you got planned? So we have we have a couple more dance parties planned. We have a couple more events. Um, I'm just getting together a Halloween party now, finalising some dates on some things, and then I can start re- releasing some other events. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of a number of like very cute parties. Um, we've got a kind of quiz and market as well that should be, should be happening every month. Okay, so lots and lots planned then, Mark. Sounds sounds absolutely brilliant, and especially the idea of of a LGBTQ centre. Um, the you know because you're right. Um, Bristol lacks uh, what uh, places like Manchester have and 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 Brighton, and and it's weird because Bristol is such a huge city and it seems fragmented, doesn't it? Um, the LGBTQ mm. community because it's not actually just in Old Market. It's sort of split into Frogmore Street as well. Yeah, um, and then parts concentrate around Eastern, and it's very nebulous. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So are you hoping this will be like an attraction 
for more LGBTQ things to get attracted into the old market area? Um, if they if they want to, I I don't think I think the nebulousness of Bristol's communities are have you know have it has its pros and its cons. So things exist where they are best existing. Um, rather, I I don't don't think I would say I would want it to this outspace to attract stuff into old market. Um, if it did, that would be good for the old market area. But I think um, anything that's not attracted towards it, outspace would be a good place to be able to to point out where it is and mm. to signpost where those those other nebulous things are. Mm. Mm. Mark, so if people want to get involved, want to actually help, um, are you on social media, website? Yes, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, Facebook and Instagram is is the best ones. Okay, and um, what is the uh, the tag for those and the handles? Instagram is Outspace SW for Southwest. Okay, and then uh, Facebook, I believe, is just Outspace with capital Out. Okay, Mark Fairbrush, good luck. Um, Thank you so much for this exciting project. Thank you very much for joining us on Shout Out. Thank you for having me. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Becky Hill and David Getter remember, which is obviously what we're all very good at, a good memory. Um, you remember to put your clothes on this week, uh, Ezra? I did. I'm all in black. Well, that's um, why I said I should just actually clarify. I wasn't for one moment for the purpose of the listener <laughs> that we do this show without clothes. There is a reason my <laughs> Zoom camera is always off, Matthew. But for, just for you tonight, I, I am in my black guess up with my Matrix coat and black nails and feeling very much connected to my goth youth. And that's a, a very apt link to what we're about to hear. It's our, our, our queer story. So have a listen. Welcome to Queer Story. Today I'm talking to you about the history of goth subculture. When I was a teen, I began to immerse myself within the goth culture, finding out about their music, buying my first alternative CDs, purchasing a lot of eyeliner, and then hanging out with goths and embracing their unique and alternative dress sense. Prior to this, I'd begun to realise that I didn't look like a lot of my friends. I was questioning my sexuality and gender identity, and I didn't really know where I belonged, because none of my friends seemed to be going through what I was. I began to feel quite isolated, and so in the late 90s and noughties, I began speaking with and befriending people from the goth scene. I felt immediately liked, safe and accepted, and so began deepening my journey into further self-expression, self-acceptance, brilliant music and some awesome nights out. It was during these nights out that I realised there were a lot of other LGBTQIA plus people within this alternative scene. And I now know that historically there's always been a relationship between these two communities and I think that the joining together of these two groups of people is often due to these individuals having personal experiences of living in a world where they feel other, 
where they feel different to a majority. I was a part of the church at the same time that I was immersing myself within goth culture and I remember thinking just how different these two environments were, mainly because those within the goth scene seemed to have a freedom of expression that was undeniably attractive, completely welcoming and non-judgmental. It was exciting and a very important part of my teen years. It was also a space where people embrace androgyny and one that's notorious for inclusion. It promotes a safe space and a place where everyone feels that they can be themselves, uniting those who really do promote self-expression and non-conformity in a way where they don't have to fear negative responses from others. And their fashion is unique in that it's marked by conspicuously dark, antiquated features. It is stereotyped as eerie, mysterious, complex and rather exotic. Goth, or at least the movement we now know of today, began in the late 1960s and it was first used to describe music, specifically The Sound of the Doors, Jim Morrison's rock band. Critic John Stickney coined the term gothic rock way back in 1967 when describing a Doors gig, so it could be argued that Jim Morrison was the first modern goth. Stickney wrote that the cavernous venue was a perfect room to honour the gothic rock of the Doors. That same year, Velvet Underground's track All Tomorrow's Parties was also described as a mesmerising gothic rock masterpiece. It wasn't until a decade later in the late 70s that goth started to be thought of as a genre, and a striking image involving pale makeup and wild hair was presented by singers from bands like The Damned and The Banshees. The latter band was compared to gothic rock architects The Doors and The Velvet Underground by one critic. And at the same time, goth was being reflected in cinemas with the arrival of films like Suspiria and Eraserhead in 1977 and Herzog's Nosferatu in 1979. Quintessential goth band Bauhaus formed in 1978 and by the time the brash shallow decade of the 80s had kicked off, goth was firmly established. Goth acted as the perfect counterpoint to the neon pop and electro tunes of the 80s. Some bands like Dead or Alive melded the two genres together, while the goth image became central to artists with a broad appeal like The Cure and performers like Nick Cave. It soon transpired that goth had more longevity than punk, though the two were related, because aspects of goth were absorbed by the mainstream. The first ever usage of the term gothic came in 1764 when Horace Walpole was describing his novel, The Castle of Enchanto. Walpole took the term from gothic from architecture, implying that these sorts of tales would take place in pseudo-medieval buildings, which he happened to admire and live in himself. In fact, Walpole is likely the best candidate for first goth in history because he really lived it. Poet Thomas Gray told Walpole that the castle of Entranto made some of us cry a little and all in general afraid to go to bed at night. His creepy story then inspired a huge wave of gothic literature that included works like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. And Dracula was written in 1897. It was one of the most influential in terms of the UK because Whitby, where some of it was written and set, is thought of as the home of British goths. But of course, goths can be found all over the globe, even if it's harder to hide from the sun in warmer countries. And while subcultures continue to come and go, goth has remained pretty much unchanged over the years. That said, several goth subcultures have been spawned over the last few decades, including cyber goth, steampunk and trad goth. 
The music preferred by goths includes a number of styles such as gothic rock, death rock, post-punk, cold wave, dark wave and ethereal wave. Styles of dress within the subculture draw on punk new wave and neuromantic fashion. It also draws from the fashion of earlier periods such as the Victorian, Edwardian and Belle Epoque eras. The style most often includes dark, usually solid black attire, dark makeup and black hair. The subculture has continued to draw interest from a large audience decades after its initial emergence. Ted Polymus described goth fashion as a profusion of black velvets, lace, fishnets and leather tinged with scarlet or purple, accessorised with tightly laced corsets, gloves, precarious stilettos and silver jewellery depicting religious or occult themes. Or the male goth look, goth historian Pete Scathe, draws a distinction between the Sid Vicious archetype of black spiky hair and black leather jackets in contrast to the gender-ambiguous guys wearing makeup. The first is the early goth gigging look, which was essentially punk, whereas the second is what evolved into the Batcave nightclub look. Early goth gigs were often very hectic affairs and the audience dressed accordingly. By the mid-1980s, bands began proliferating and became increasingly popular, including the Sisters of Mercy, The Mission, Alien Sex Fiend and March Violets, and Exmoor Deutschland and The Membranes. Record labels like Factory, 4AD and Beggar's Banquet released much of this music in Europe, and though a vibrant import music market in the US, the subculture grew, especially in New York and LA, where many nightclubs featured gothic industrial nights. And since the late 1970s, the UK goth scene refused traditional standards of sexual propriety and accepted and celebrated unusual, bizarre or sexual deviant practices. In the 2000s, many members claimed overlapping membership in the queer, polyamorous, bondage discipline, sadomasochism and pagan communities. Though sexual empowerment is not unique to women and non-binary people within the goth scene, it remains an important part of many goth people's experience. The scene celebration of active sexuality enables goth women and non-binary people to resist mainstream notions of passive femininity and strict depictions of gender. Goths have an active sexuality approach which creates gender egalitarianism within the scene as it allows them to engage in sexual play with multiple partners while sidestepping most of the stigma and dangers that people who engage in such behaviour outside the scene frequently incur while continuing to see themselves as strong. Men and MB people dress up in an androgynous way and often describe this as being gender blended, embracing and celebrating and wearing makeup and skirts and other clothing that society still tries to label as only suitable for a specific gender. I hope that's given a brief but in-depth enough overview of the very interesting subject that is goth subculture. And before I end this episode, I'd like to share something that was shared with me by Steffi, one of the presenters and the producer of Shoutout. She said... Before I transitioned back in the 90s, I used to look for places that I felt would be safe, and often these ended up being bars and nightclubs whose main customer base was people from the alternative scenes, namely goths. The reason I sought out places like this is because I had several nights out in bars and clubs where alternative people frequented. It was these people who always offered a space of genuine inclusivity. They showed me acceptance, they cared for me, and most importantly to me at the time, they made me feel very safe. I was able to be fully myself, to embrace my true gender identity, and I met some really brilliant, special people. And that's it for today's Queerstory. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any feedback, why not tweet the show at shoutout underscore LGBT. 
Don't forget to tune in to Shout Out every Thursday at 7pm or listen to the show via many different podcast providers such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Bye for now. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, now that's a very appropriate track. Black is black there. And that's the Belle Epoque version, or should I say Belle Epoque? If you want the, if you want the accent. Ah, oui, oui. It was originally done by Los Bravos in the uh, 1960s, I, I believe. Uh, 1966. Yeah. Um, Ezra, you wanted to say something. You, you had been nudging me on the screen. I did indeed. So I hope you all, listeners, enjoyed this week's Queer Story. I just wanted to make a little correction um, with our Twitter handle. It's actually shoutout underscore radio. Sorry about that. I got rather too invested um, in, in the goth history. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much for that. And for the website details, as well I can give you this without actually moving my lips I just need to press this button for more information about Shoutout Radio visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt Shoutout LGBT Radio for you it's cool though, isn't it because I have lots of things pre-recorded like you know have a cup of tea um, you know, fetch my slippers that, what else would you have recorded um, what about fetch some, some nice biscuits to go with Ooh, biscuits do look for um, hobnob Ooh, I feel yes. like, um, does anybody yeah. remember um, in Home Alone when Macaulay Culkin had that little talk, 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 or whatever it was called, where he Speaking recorded spells, things? Yeah, yeah I, I had one of those. Um, I was absolutely obsessed with it. And I just used to record people saying things and then re- re- rewind it and play it back like uh, cup of tea. So instead of saying it, I just, you know, just had it there ready. Of course, now we carry around sort of speech to text and text to speech engines in our pocket devices, don't we? So it's yes. all come round again. A long way. Anyway, very science fiction, in fact. Very science fiction, and I see what you're doing there, Terry, because um, we've got some, we've got, we've got a discussion point here, haven't we? A bit of a debate going on. Well, now that Jodie Whittaker has announced that she's stepping down from the role of the Time Lord in uh, the long-running science fiction program Doctor Who, the question on every LGBTQIA fan's lips is, um, who should replace her? I think there's some strong opinions in certain corners of the shout-out camp. Oh, so what? what come on then, because I, I mean, I'm going to hold my hands up. I, I'm not a regular watch. I used to watch it when I was little, but I'm, I'm never around when it's on, and I can't be. Mm. I can't get the iPlayer thing sorted out. So, um, what are what are the what are our candidates amongst the team? Well, um, I was going to be patient, but I shan't. I would like it to <laughs> be. Um, <laughs> it would be fake. I would either like Ollie Alexander from It's mm. a Sin uh, Richard Ioardi or Ooh. Saran Jones or Sue Perkins they're my top four uh, Sue Perkins yeah I like the idea of Sue Perkins or Superkins as I like to call it Superkins <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay Andy you've got any, got any theories or any uh, you know wannabes that you'd like to see there um, I think Ollie Alexander would make a good Doctor yeah. Who uh, that's my my gut feeling okay yeah okay and uh, Terry what was your thoughts then um, I think um, well Joe Martin played 
a, a, a hitherto undiscovered version of the Doctor in the recent season that was uh, transmitted, uh, I think, the year before last. So um, there's also there's always room for her to sort of like mm. pilot the TARDIS for a while. But um, mm. yeah, that's sort of, have you seen all the people that ideas. are in? Sorry, Terry, I got, I got carried away again. So, did you see all the Americans that are interested in playing it, including the very brilliant Whoopi Goldberg, who said she wishes to be the first ever <laughs> oh. American Doctor? And I've got to say, if you're going to cast an American, please, for God's sake, oh. cast Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, yes. that, she would <laughs> be absolutely awesome. <laughs> and of course, she's yeah. she. I mean, she was brilliant and sort of mysterious when she played Guinan in the mm. Next Generation yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. So I think there's certainly sort of a real pedigree there. So no news yet, uh, because I suppose if anyone lets it sit there, I'll have to be exterminated. Like, exterminate! <laughs> it hurts when I do that. Wow, I have to beat my I chest. I jumped then. I thought it was a dog. That was the very good. I mean, it really you hurts. Actually, <laughs> I you were doing I've that damaged without... myself. <laughs> oh, oh dear. All in the name of radio. Matthew. All in the name of radio. That's it for today, because really I've got nothing left. Uh, to find out more about us and to hear other shows, don't forget that you can check us out online. <laughs> Steffi, help me, quick. Okay, I will. You just go to shoutoutradio.lgbt. Also, if you'd like to get involved in the show, you'll find ways to contact us there too. Next week, Andy Shilton will be back in the hot seat. So to make it really hot, I just need to find out which bit to ignite. I, I mean, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.